you ever wanted to read the Bible, the whole thing, and read it in a way that makes sense, in a way that is historically accurate and where all the parts fit together? Hi, I'm Yvonne Brand from Bible 805, where you learn to know, trust, and apply the Bible. I've got a way for you to do that that will make a huge impact on your life in what I'll share in our lesson today entitled, Read the Bible in Chronological Order. Motivation, how-to, and helps to get the most out of it. Many people feel they ought to read the Bible. They begin in Genesis, but by the time they get to Leviticus, if not before, they bail out. They feel guilty, but they still want to read the Bible, so they jump around reading easier-to-understand parts, like Psalms or the Gospels. Or they give up on the Bible as a whole and read a devotional that briefly mentions Bible verses. Somehow, these options don't satisfy, because I think God has put in our, in our hearts a desire to read the book, the whole book that he gave us. And I've got a solution for you that will help. It's a guided reading through the Bible in chronological order. This is the order that the events took place, along with the messages given by the prophets and the apostles that you read along with when the events happened that prompted their messages. You won't have to do this alone. I've got a plan for you and helps for you every step of the way. But before we get into that, let's talk about why read it in chronological order. Now this way of reading it may be new to you and you may wonder why you haven't heard of it before. And the primary reason is because that isn't the order the books of the Bible are in. This way of reading may be new to you, and you may wonder why you haven't heard of it before. The primary reason is because that isn't the order that the books of our Bible are in. Our Bibles are arranged by genre or type of book, not in chronological historical order. Now, why is that? Well, the short answer is because it's always been that, done that way from the earliest organizations of the books in the Hebrew Bibles to our modern translations. This means all the books of history are together, all the letters are together, all the prophecy is grouped together. Now, previously, this was not a problem because people knew the history and context of the Bible and could put the people doctrines and messages from the prophets in their proper places. Now it's not like that anymore. Now what I'm going to share with you now is incredibly important, so please listen carefully. This isn't some unnecessary philosophical side note, but it's really, really important that you understand what is going on in our world today. And that is that we live in a post-Christian world. And in many ways, it's a post-Bible world, far different than it was in the past. In the world of the Old Testament, and much of the recorded history of the Western world, including Europe and the Americas, the Bible was the basis of culture and education. It was the reference point of art and music. Every religious or educated person knew the history, the timelines, the main characters that were in the scriptures. If they read a psalm that included a line that said something like, of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech. 
They knew what story he was referring to because they'd read their Bible. They'd heard it read again and again and again. If they saw a painting entitled Lydia of Thyatira, and that's actually the title of a painting that I found on the web when I was researching it, they knew who it was talking about. And by the way, she was the woman who Paul first preached to in Philippi. Now, it didn't matter that the words of a prophet were preached in a different section than the history of that story that prompted his message because the context, the history, were common knowledge to people. It's not like that today. People have no idea of the history underlying the content or the historical order of the people and events in the Bible. Now, here is what happens if you don't know the history and the context of important messages. Now, imagine this. Say it's two to three thousand years from now, which is the same amount of time as when the Old Testament and New Testament were written to our world today. Now, imagine reading a book that looked back at our current history that was organized something like this. In the first part of the book, you'd have a retelling of the major events that took place in the 20th century, such as the history of the Great Depression, World War II, the Civil Rights Movement. Next in the book, you'd have chapters quoting poetry, philosophy, romance stories of the times. Finally, at the end of the book would be famous speeches of the times, but they wouldn't necessarily be in order. They wouldn't tell you anything about why they were created, or the audience or what made them important. You, you just have the speeches. There would be a speech by somebody named Churchill after something called Dunkirk talking about the importance of fighting here, fighting there, fighting everywhere. Then there'd be a speech by someone just called FDR on only fearing fear itself. And finally, there'd be one from a preacher named Martin Luther King about a dream that he had. Now that's how the history and the prophet's messages are arranged in our Bible. First we have the history, and then many, many, many pages later, we have the messages that fit in to that history. That's why many people don't read the prophets at the end of the Old Testament, because out of context, they simply seem like a group of very angry men ranting about events that we don't understand that don't seem to make sense. Without understanding the context, we look for other meanings in the Bible. Because we can't tie the challenging messages to the historical events that prompted them and apply them to really similar events today, people look for verses in the Bible based on what feels good to me, what answers my needs. The commands and challenges in the Bible become not much different than what I would term fortune cookie advice. Tasty at times, but easy to ignore if we don't like what it says. I don't think any of us intend for that to happen, but we can't help it. If the Bible is primarily a book of optional advice to us and not the written revelation of God worked out in true history and in the lives and actions of real people, reading the Bible in chronological order will help us understand the messages of the Bible in the way God wants us to and will give us true hope. Another reason people don't read the Bible in chronological order today is that they forget it should be read 
as a whole and in order. We wouldn't read any other book that we cared about the way we read the Bible. We wouldn't jump around from passage to passage, here a little, there a little, and say we actually read the book. Yet somehow, people think, we think, a few devotional passages in the morning in no particular order at all qualifies us to say, we've read the Bible. Now, to illustrate the truth of this, consider what would happen if, from the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which many of you are familiar with, it's a book on life and business management, what if you didn't read the whole book, but you just pulled out the saying, sharpen the saw, key teaching in the book, sharpen the saw, this book says sharpen the saw. Well, if they didn't understand that what the book was about, they might think that The Seven Habits was a book about carpentry instead of a reminder to sharpen your skills so that you can do the best you can in work and life. Or imagine if you started watching The Wizard of Oz for the first time in the middle of the movie and you see a young woman a lion, a scarecrow, and a tin man marching down a yellow brick road. You wouldn't have any idea what to think or why they were doing what they're doing. Both examples here are nothing more than a confusing collection of characters and isolated sayings if you don't read the entire book or watch the entire movie. But they all make perfectly good sense if you read the entire book or watch the movie from start to finish and meet each saying and character in context. Now it's no different with the Bible. For someone who did not grow up listening to Bible stories, or perhaps grew up in a church and wasn't paying much attention, how much sense does it make when you hear or read scattered comments about Shem or Jeroboam or Barnabas or about the atonement or sanctification and justification? Little more than it does to a person seeing for the first time a lion walking down a yellow brick road. We must read the Bible in the order things happened and with the messages God gave, read in the context they were given, for the history, the prophecies, and the individual verses to really make sense. It takes additional work to do that because, as I said, that sadly isn't how our Bibles are organized today. But the chronological plan that I'll share with you makes it really easy to do. I want to take a few minutes for a parenthesis here, and this is extremely important. And this is a plea to leaders and those with responsibility to teach others. Some of you listening to this who did grow up reading, listening to, and being taught the Bible might be tempted to dismiss how important it is to teach new Christians or your congregation in general the overall context and history of the Bible. For many, It's almost, for many of you in that kind of position, it's almost impossible to comprehend the complete lack of biblical familiarity, let alone biblical literacy in our world today, and what it means to say that we're living in a post-biblical world. This was illustrated to me very, in a very interesting way a number of years ago, and I do think it's gotten much worse even since then. I was watching a Denver Broncos game on television. John Elway was the quarterback at the time. A fan held up a big sign that said, John 316. The sportscaster, the commentator, noticed it and said, John 316. Now that's a statistic of Elway's. 
I'm not familiar with. He wasn't trying to be funny. He didn't know the meaning of that sign. Now, most likely, the person that made that sign thought he was being a witness, thought that this was a wonderful way to share the truth of that great verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the impact was absolutely lost on the many, many people who saw it and had no idea, first of all, that it was a Bible verse, and in addition to that, had probably not memorized what it said. Now, I don't want to make fun of it. That is just one of the most tragic things that I can remember hearing and seeing. But we do that all the time in our churches, and we wonder why people's lives don't change. Please, if you want your people to understand biblical truth, you need to teach them the entire Bible. And my website, www.bible805, has many free tools, resources, schedules. I'll be telling you more and more about them that will help you do exactly that. Yet, it's a big project, so let me share on the positive side now some reasons why reading your Bible in chronological order will benefit you. Number one, reading the Bible in chronological order, by doing that, we see how God is truly the author of the entire Bible. The Bible was written over a 1,600-year time span by, by, excuse me, by 40 different authors, and yet it has one mind and one voice behind all the voices and one clear theme of God seeking, saving, and restoring his lost people. Obviously, the writers over this span of time and geography could not have conspired together to tell the same story with all the parts fitting together the way they do in the Bible on their own. Divine intervention was essential for the unity of message that the Bible has. But you won't hear the one voice. You won't see it as one story if you don't read the whole book. And you'll hear it most clearly when you read it in the historical order that the events and messages happened. Number two, reading the Bible in chronological order By doing that, we understand the whole story of salvation as it unfolds. Many of us have only bits and pieces of the salvation story, but when you read the Bible in chronological, historical order, you see how the Old Testament prophecy lays the foundation for its fulfillment in the New Testament, in the birth of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and his promised return. When you understand when prophecy was given and then fulfilled by Jesus, you won't make the mistake of assuming, as current critics do, that Jesus was just a good man who tragically died. No! You'll see how it was planned millennia ahead and worked out bit by bit by God. The salvation story was written by God, and it takes the entire Bible to tell all of it. Number three, reading the Bible in chronological, historical order makes sense 
of the prophet's messages. For example, look at the prophet Jonah. This is really interesting. This is one of the things years ago that really got me to reading the Bible in chronological historical order. Many people know the story of him as someone who was swallowed by a big fish. Now that's quite a story in itself, but a much bigger one is going on when you understand the whole context of it. His story opens in 2 Kings 14, where Jonah was a very popular preacher in Israel during the time of King Jeroboam II. He prophesied his country would be victorious in war, and they were. At the same time, Assyria, now Nineveh was its capital, was rising in power. Now the Assyrians were vicious, cruel, feared, and hated by the nations around them, including Israel. It was in the middle of his great popularity and comfort at home, and on the other hand, a hated, feared nation outside of it, that God called Jonah to leave and go preach to Assyria, who not many years from then would in fact conquer and destroy Israel. No wonder he ran the other way. Now then, of course, comes the story of Jonah being swallowed by the fish and God's mercy to him and the repentance of the people of Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. And what this also tells us is, in addition to what happened in that particular story, is that around 50 years later, when Assyria did conquer Israel and took people captive, there were most likely believers among the conquerors. Now, there's one more very sad footnote to this story, again, that you won't see unless you're reading the whole Bible in order. Around a hundred years later, the prophet Nahum predicts the final destruction of Assyria, which did take place a few years after his prophecy, because Assyria had returned with vicious, cruel ways. Now, I can't help but wonder, in reading these things in order, if history would have been different if Jonah had rejoiced in the revival God brought about, if he'd stayed and he'd helped the people grow as followers of Jehovah God. Instead, we know in the book that he just stomped out of town after they repented, sat down, and whined. And we that's the end of his story. And then the people, not long afterwards, reverted to their evil ways. You see, reading the whole thing, we get so much more out of Jonah's story. And that is just one example. Number four, reading the Bible in chronological order. (laughs) We don't skip the hard parts. If we don't read the Bible in chronological order, we will tend to go back to favorite passages instead of reading the whole Bible, the entire Bible. And we skip the hard parts. There are parts that are not easy to understand and are not fun to read, like Leviticus. But without understanding that book about the tabernacle sacrifices, the sacrificial death of Jesus won't ultimately make sense. When we do understand the required laws and the sacrifices described in the Old Testament, John's exclamation when we get to the New Testament where he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is then extraordinarily powerful and meaningful. The same thing happens again with the minor prophets whose world when we understand the setting of their message, is uncomfortably similar to our world today. And if we understand that, we may have to challenge our comfortable lifestyle, but we may also be comforted in hard times. 5. 
reading the Bible in chronological order, you won't be afraid of what I call the gotcha questions about the Bible in your Christian faith. I think a lot of Christians are afraid to share their faith because they're afraid of what I call the gotcha questions. All kinds of sometimes very valid questions about what's in the Bible that can be tricky and but they're easily answered if you know the Bible well. In addition to questions from friends we can't explain, many Christians also have questions about the Bible they're afraid to express to themselves. The dark night of the soul can be terrifying when we doubt the truth of God's word. Many questions are answered, many fears are calmed with others and ourselves by simply reading the whole book in chronological order. There's a lot of incorrect information floating around in the secular media about the Bible, and again, a simple chronological study of the Bible can easily correct that. I realize that in many ways what I've just said is kind of a trust me statement, but I've seen this as a result from many who've taken my classes on going through the Bible in this way, and it has meant a lot to me in my own fears and doubts. An in-depth knowledge of biblical truth is even more important today, more important than ever, because we desperately need a foundation of truth, true truth in our lives. We need a sure and true anchor for how to live, what to believe, what to hope in. Technology is advancing at an incredible rate, particularly with the explosion right now of artificial intelligence, AI for short, deep fakes, digital editing of images in streaming video, AI created text, so much more. I'm going to be doing additional writing on the Bible 805 website about this, but this distorts everything we know, recreate, just the basis for so much in our world. Seeing is not believing. Hearing is not believing. There can be confusion and untruth in virtually every area. Truth is in danger of losing an objective meaning, and this situation will only become worse and worse. But we have hope. We find truth in God's Word, and knowing the content of it is the first step and an essential one in discernment of what is true and what is false. Counterfeit money is discovered by comparing it with real money. The thing that they often say is the people in the Treasury Department don't take their time studying all the fakes. They study the real thing, and so the counterfeit is apparent. That's what we need to do. We need to know real truth so that the counterfeits that are thrown at us in many areas in our world are very immediately apparent. One more thing as followers of Jesus, knowing the content of God's word is an important, and I would say essential foundation, but in addition, we do must, we must remember, excuse me, we must remember to commit to application. As James 1, through 25 tells us, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it.
God doesn't want us to just be walking encyclopedias. He wants us to be his witness. We need to continually ask ourselves, how will I live differently because of what I've read? Or as a pastor in our town recently said, and I thought this was so good, he said, am I being a good trailer for Jesus? Remember, trailers are make us want to see the whole movie, and he's saying, are you that kind of appetizer for the gospel? When people see you, see your life, do they want the whole movie? Do they want to know the whole story about the Bible and Jesus? Now, journaling, writing down your thoughts, application ideas and questions is highly recommended as a way to go from knowledge alone to application. In the materials I'll be sharing with you, I have lots of application ideas and all the lessons as we go through the Bible. I've got questions, additional suggestions to help you live out the lessons. Speaking of these materials, here is what I have for you. This isn't just theory, what I've been sharing. Please go to www.bible805.com for schedules and journal pages in a variety of formats. They're all free and reproducible. Um, I have ones that are dated. I have ones that are undated, uh, where you can start at the first year, start anytime, different journal, um, things that you can reproduce, just all sorts of things for you. I'm going to be taking you through the Bible in lessons, podcasts, and videos starting on the first of the year, though you can really jump in any time. In addition, I have lots of resources, videos, editable PowerPoints, notes, questions, so much more on the www.bible805.com academy for you to use www.bible. In addition, I have resources, videos that don't have the YouTube branding and all that, just ones you can download and use, editable PowerPoints, notes, questions, and so much more on the Bible 805 Academy for you to use to teach others. I'll be sharing much more on this in the coming days. Please sign up for the Bible 805 newsletter for notification of new materials and please subscribe to the podcast and the Bible 805 YouTube channel so you don't miss out on any of this. Finally, the adventure of reading through the Bible in chronological order is, I think, a little like getting to know Aslan the Christ figure in C.S. Lewis' book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Mrs. Beaver surprises the children by saying, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Committing to read through the Bible in chronological, historical order will take time, effort, and hard work. It might not be safe. It will shake up and transform every part of our lives. But it will be good. That's all for now. Please check out the notes and other materials related to this topic at www.bible805.com. Subscribe to this channel and tell your friends about these resources. Until next time, I'm Yvonne Pran, your fellow pilgrim, writer, and teacher for Jesus, and I'd like to close with this benediction. May you know the invitation of God to move from confusion to clarity, from wandering to rest.
From loneliness to knowing you are loved. From turmoil to peace. From wherever you are on your spiritual journey to a growing knowledge of God's Word and in your personal relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.